0: Welcome to the Sports Pro Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome once again to the Sports Pro Podcast. My name is Owen Connolly, I'm the editor-at-large at Sports Pro. Hope you're well, very pleased to have you all back. Our guest this time is Noah Garden, the Chief Revenue Officer For Major League Baseball. It's been an eventful period for America's pastime during the COVID-19 pandemic. No surprises there perhaps. But a shortened season in 2020 has been followed by a full schedule in 2021 with ballparks reopening at different rates across the US as vaccination programs are rolled out and states relax their public health restrictions to varying degrees. So what's the commercial and financial impact of all that been and how's it affected the relationships between the league's teams and with its partners? On top of that, how's it affected the progress of an emerging one-baseball strategy under Commissioner Rob Manfred with a plan for greater coordination in areas of development and a radical, not universally popular, restructuring of MLB's partnership with minor league baseball? Noah discusses those factors along with the longer term transitional challenges the league is facing in the digital age, how it's balancing the regional sports network model that sustained teams for decades with the demands of a cord cutting generation, its new approaches to ticketing and the venue experience, ambitions to restart international games and deliver innovative technological products and more besides. That is all to come, some notices first. Up ahead, a little later this week, we will be turning our attention to European Soccer and UEFA Euro 2020, which is going to be leading our programming on the weekly Sports Pro podcast each Thursday until the tournament finishes on the second weekend of July. We're going to be picking up on all the big stories and all the key themes that emerge over the course of the competition uh, to go with lots of further content, as I'm sure you'd expect on sportspromedia.com but that's not all you can look forward to in the next few weeks on Tuesdays you will still be getting something a bit different interviews from me and from the playbook series of course with Matt Rogan so do stay with us for those as well some dates for your diary on the event side of things too the next Sports Pro Insider Series is going to be looking at the match day experience on the 16th of June timely enough as we hope more and more fans return around the world Uh, really interesting range of speakers for that one from the NFL and Tottenham Hotspur to the US Golf Association and the Cleveland Cavaliers among others sportsproinsiderseries.com as ever is where you can sign up to watch live on our interactive platform and where you can register to watch every session from every event so far on demand then on the 7th and 8th of July, it's time for our next big virtual summit. Sports Pro APAC will be rebuilding momentum in sports across the Asia-Pacific region. Again, some fascinating people to hear from there. So do head over to sportsproapac.com and learn all about it. Important announcements coming up about the agenda in the next few days as I'm speaking. And we do also have a couple more locally focused sessions from the sports pro apac series to look out for once again that's sportsproapac.com for everything you need there okay then consider yourselves informed about all that time now to hear from major league baseball's noah garden sports pro connecting and inspiring the business world of sport noah garden chief revenue officer at major league baseball welcome to the sports pro podcast. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Glad to have you with us. Where are you? Where are you calling in from? You're back at, at MLB headquarters. Yep, I'm uh, here at 1271 Avenue of the Americas
1: in uh, our headquarters that we moved into uh, probably two months before the uh, pandemic shutdown.
0: Um, what was um what what was that move intended to give you before you know? before it left you with a lot of empty real estate, I'm sure, for a few months. What what was the purpose behind that?
1: Um, you know, when the commissioner was elected, I think one of the biggest things um, that he had discussed is sort of one baseball. And what one baseball meant is at that time, we had three really distinct companies um, operated out of the commissioner's office. One was our dot-com business that had been in Chelsea for about, uh, almost 20 years at that point, we had the commissioner's office on Park Ave, and in Secaucus, we had the network. And the goal of moving to 1271 was to bring um, bring that together, really. I mean, we still have the network in Secaucus for the obvious reasons of the real estate it takes to run a network, um, but for moving the dot-com and uh, the commissioner's office even closer together um, from a collaboration standpoint and a real estate standpoint. So... Um, you know it was just furthering that goal of, of bringing the organization even closer
0: yeah and I'm, I'm hoping that one of the things we can kind of get to over the course of this conversation is that idea that mlB is is trying to foster bringing a few more things under its control and um, not always not always a straightforward process but um you know uh, looking at, at what the strategy is from that perspective particularly on the commercial side um, sure from where you sit but you know, let's first of all talk about what kind of a year it's been or it's going to be for Major League Baseball in, in 2021. Obviously, a bit more activity at this time of year than there was 12 months ago um, and a full a full schedule. Um, but what, what were some of the preparations you had to make coming into this year? Um, what were some of the allowances that you had to make for local COVID restrictions? Because obviously you know from a european perspective it's it's a lot to get our head around that the one league can have different restrictions in different states but but that's obviously very much the case for you guys at this point in time
1: yeah i think that that's, that that's really been the biggest challenge for us is um you know we've gone into this season and there's sort of been you know a little unevenness across the country um as each location has really its uh, its own you know, rules and restrictions as it relates to the pandemic, because, you know, it, it's affecting people unevenly across the country. And what we've tried to do is be mindful of that. And uh, our local clubs have worked very closely, um, you know, with their local governments to figure out what the right um, position for them to be in um, for as we open this season and embark on, you know, getting sort of back to our first full season. Um you know, since 2019. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, so far, so good. You know, we're, we're fortunate to have a game that gets played generally outside um, in the open air. And, um, you know, the, the local governments have been great. We have a number of clubs now that are at 100% capacity and, and more coming on board each and every day. So, um, you know, we're, we're getting back to it. Um, it. I wouldn't say it's back to normal, but we're certainly headed in that direction.
0: How, how do you coordinate that approach just on a commercial basis i guess if you have some teams are able to have 100 percent capacity some will be inching out from 10 20 ticketing is an important revenue stream um you know the teams there are things that they collaborate on but they also pay players for example very much independently and uh, and have different capabilities when it comes to that um what were some of the conversations that you have had about access to, to home facilities and about the... Uh, you, was there any kind of compensatory framework that you guys discussed or was it just something... That, you know you're going to get through this season and try and get as many fans access as possible. What was the
1: yeah? I, I think
0: that, uh, what was the attitude? You took? I think that first of all
1: we want to get as many fans as we can safely, you know, able to come out and enjoy with their family, you know, a baseball game. And I think that that's always been, you know, the first and foremost of the goal. Listen, I think you hit the nail on the head. Forty percent of our revenue comes from ticket sales. We sell, um, you know, a tr- just a tremendous amount of tickets, and so it's a big part of of what we do. And, uh, but again, at the same time, it's more, it's more important for us to make sure that the environment the fans are coming back to is, you know, clean, safe, and something that, you know, we don't want to bring our families to. So, you know, we've really um, taken a supporting role with our clubs. Our clubs know what's best for themselves in each of their locations and each of their local areas. They've taken the lead at the club level and talking to their local governments. And, you know, from a national perspective, you know, we've made sure to We have a system in place to support our local clubs as they, you know, embark on this effort, and uh, you know, so far, so good.
0: Yeah, and where do you, where do sponsors and. The access for partners, where where does all of that come into the conversation?
1: You know what? Our sponsors have been very, very supportive and our partners just, you know, just generally. I think that we have um, worked very hard to keep them as up to date as as we possibly can as to, you know, what our plans are and how the season's rolling out. Um, You know, we have a tremendous audience that's important to Um, our partners and our sponsors and being able to reach them. And so we've worked, you know, anytime there's been any sort of disruption in the plan that they've had, we've worked together to figure out what we can do and how we can deploy different assets to, you know, keep them engaged and, you know, continue the relationship that we've built with them um, over a
0: pretty long period
1: of time in most cases.
0: Mm. Looking back over the last uh, last 12, 15 months, what's the, uh, are you able to assess even yet the financial impact that, that COVID's had on on the league?
1: It's, you know, it's, it's been enormous, you know, again, 40, when you, anytime you have 40% of your revenue, that's, you know, from that, uh, in our case is from ticketing, and we couldn't ticket anybody last year, it's, uh, you know, it's a significant impact for us. And it's a significant impact for our fans, right? I mean, nobody, nobody was um, immune to the effects of COVID, and not, not just from you know are, are am i sick do i have it but just from a financial in, impact and so i think that um you know we're we're still getting through that and it's going to take years to come to sort of bring us out of that you know that said there's you know, some silver linings at the same time. And, and I think we we just touched on one of them, but, you know, the increase in communication with our partners, all working together, you know, all sort of sharing even best practices. It wasn't like every call was, you know, what are we going to do and what's the execution? It was really working with our partners to say, how are you getting through this? What are you guys doing? Sharing what we're doing. And at the same time with an eye towards, you know, getting us back to a more, you know, normal cadence in our business, which. Um, you know, has been accelerating now over the short term, but um, they've been great to work with over the long
0: term because it was, you know, it was a very, very difficult 18 months. What What are the priorities for you now in terms of resetting or uh, getting through what's still quite a difficult 21 and, um, and, and what kind of shape do you want to be in, in, in 2022? And how long do you think you're still going to be mitigating the effects of of the last year?
1: Yeah, listen, I think they're going to linger for quite some time. You know, if you take a look at our international business,
0: for example, we, um,
1: you know, in 2019, we went to London, had the Yankees and the Red Sox, which was, uh, you know, just an amazing event. You know, COVID, you know, sort of put a stop to our international games. You know, we need to get those back on the docket. And, you know, hopefully over the next, you know, few years, we'll start to have, you know, a robust play plan um, internationally again. But that's, you know, that certainly set us back. Um, you know when it comes to our partners I think everybody's sort of coming out of this at the same time and making sure that you're updating messaging or, or reaching out um, to you know their audiences in a way that that you know makes sense in today's environment which is different than it was 18 or 19 months ago so you know it, it's it's a lot of work um, it's a change in strategy but it's um, at the same time you know there's there's a lot of pent-up demand. I mean, I think you see it in ticket sales now, what's going on and the parks filling up um, pretty quickly. And I think that people are, um, you know, they're kind of ready to get back to normal, you know, as vaccinations become Um, more widespread and people become more comfortable, um, you know, attending events, you know, we want to be on the forefront of that. So we've spent a tremendous amount of time, you know, with our clubs, educating our fans to the environment that they should expect when they come back to the stadiums. And that environment has, you know, there's a number of different things with that, right? We have you know, kind con- of ways to enter the park that's contactless now, you know, ways to purchase concessions that you don't have to exchange money again, contactless. And so, you know, we've kind of reevaluated that game day experience to put it in a place that, um, you know, that it needs for today's environment based on what we just went through.
0: Mm. I want to talk about that game day experience in, in a sec, and kind of the unique challenges or, or not entirely unique, but the challenges that baseball has when it comes to volume and, uh, and, and and so forth um, but just to look at that response that you've put in place over the last year you talked a bit about communication and uh, and and, um, and collaboration how would you characterize the way MLB works for somebody outside the organization how would you characterize the way the league works compared to the other major leagues in the us you know we we're, we're familiar to an extent with this idea of quite heavy owner involvement and um but there's there are degrees obviously um to the extent to which that happens so w- w- what would your how, what would your explanation of it be um for somebody who who is less familiar to,
1: Yeah listen to I, it. I think the a lot of the, the the leagues here domestically are all pretty similar right you have a governing body in our case the commissioner's office which is you know here in New York and actually the other ones are here in New York as well and then you've got the local clubs and those local clubs Um, you know, really are the front lines of of all of our businesses, especially in baseball. And so, you know, our job really has always been to support the efforts locally as best we can and help provide best practices, um, you know, and amplify the message of the sport. And so that's, you know, that's something that, um, you know, all the leagues really in in the U.S. um, are accustomed to. You know, we all have our different nuances, again, from a baseball perspective, I think. Um, you know, it's, we're fortunate that our game is played outside and open air. And as a result, um, you know, from everything that we've, you know, learned and continue to learn about, you know, the course of the pandemic, you know, that's a, that's a positive for us. Um, at the same time, we have, you know, we, we have fans coming to our ballpark, you know, more fans than all the other leagues combined. And so that presents its own um, challenges and opportunities for us. So um, from our perspective, that's, really been front and center and something that we've spent a tremendous amount of time you know working on and, and helping to deploy technology that will you know uh, you know make their game day experience you know better than it ever
0: has been before and from from your seat as as chief revenue officer what are some of the things that you're working with that are yours <laughs> that are your assets to, to play with it at, at a league level uh, obviously you have broadcast rights that are nationwide and and global, and you have commercial rights that are nationwide and global, and then there will be things that are devolved to, uh, to the teams that they can, they can carve out for themselves. Um, But where do you see your project starting?
1: Yeah, listen, I I think that one interesting, I always look at these silver linings of the pandemic, you know, one of them is that there's new partners that have been brought to the table, there's different businesses within, um, you know, within our, our system that we haven't seen prior to you know the pandemic people that have played sort of an outsized role in bringing you know not only the united states but the world back to some sort of normal um, cadence and as a result you know there's there's new partners in the space that we've begun to work with um, to educate them to that you know this platform is a great one to amplify their message to show how they've helped you know get us back up and running how they've helped um, you know bring, bring some more normalcy to um, to the world as the, we come out of the pandemic. So I think that that's a, a big opportunity. On the other side, you know, our business is still rolling. You know, it continues to roll. We had, uh, we, we, while we didn't have fans last year, we had a shortened season, but it was every bit as exciting as previous seasons and, and even this season. And so as a result, we have, um, you know, we continue to work very hard with our partners um, to, you know, to make sure that, that we're amplifying the message that they're trying to get ac- across as well, Um through their association with us and, and the game on the field, most importantly.
0: Help us spread the word about the Sports Pro Podcast. Subscribe, like, and share our content on social. Join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag SportsProPod. And if you're enjoying our work, why not leave us a rating and a nice review on your podcast platform of choice? And if you want to get in touch, you can send us an email podcast at sportspromedia.com. The Sports Pro Podcast, we're listening to. Let's, let's break down a, a few things that have happened uh, recently that aren't specifically tied, I guess, to the pandemic and, and kind of start to look ahead to what this means for MLB over the next few years. Um, you know, something that has come through in the last few months is, is a, a radical restructure of the partnership with minor league baseball. Again, some of the political dimensions of that are are not in in your office, and they will um, happen elsewhere. But uh, is it? A new it's one hundred and twenty teams now yeah. will have minor league affiliation. Um, Forty will be uh, will will lose that affiliation. But the idea is that you have um, an improvement to amenities and an improvement to player salaries for those who stay within that system. Does that? change the way that you in, in in your position does that change the way that you um interact with the rest of the game Does more of it now come into your remit or is that something you know that wider baseball ecosystem is that something that's kind of you obviously you want the wider health of the game is, is something that you're interested in but it's not something that kind of commercially affects what you're doing
1: no i mean listen what, what's going on in the minor leagues is is very important i mean i think if you think about what we wanted to accomplish here um, in restructuring the minor leagues, I think you hit a number of a, a number of the things on the head. you know, one is um, you know, make sure that our you know these local stadiums in the different parts of the country have you know a level of investment to make them really world class facilities, right? We want to make sure that the players that are playing there have everything that they possibly could need to become as great an athlete as as they can within the system. You know from a commercial standpoint, I think helping our fans understand, um, a little more about which teams are affiliated with their you know, favorite club and then being able to provide information to them on a more real time basis on how these up and coming youngsters that are down in the system are faring is really what the goal is. There is a tremendous amount of content being generated there. There's a great level of baseball being played and they are the stars of tomorrow. And, you know, we don't want, it, it shouldn't be that you have to wait till that person has their first major league hit before you really, you know, have a connection with them. And so I think through the restructuring, um, you know, that's something you're going to see a lot of in the future. You're going to see us promoting, um, you know, the affiliates and, and all the great play that's going on down there and really, you know, bringing the minor league system to a a, a tremendous amount of fans that just really didn't have access to it prior. And, you know, if you think about the old system, you know, what could have been a, a Yankees affiliate today could be a Red Sox affiliate tomorrow. And so, you know, making sure that, you know, there's continuity in the clubs and their associations with the major league clubs will also help the fans, you know, understand more. Um, about the connection between each of those organizations. So we view it as a tremendous opportunity and, um, you know, mostly on the fan side, but certainly once the fans and the eyeballs and, you know, we, we sort of all that gets raised, there's a commercial
0: opportunity as well
1: that'll that'll fare um, for everybody. So we're, we're yeah. really looking forward to it.
0: I mean, it comes back to one of the themes that you teed up right at the start, which is this one baseball vision <clears throat> that MLB is going to be working through. Um, you know, and there are upsides as you describe them there. There, there there's also challenges when you when you try and push something like that through um there'll be opposition I'm sure from the forty teams who've who've lost their affiliation among among others but um there is a delicate balance as well between centralization and independence that I'm sure goes all the way up through the league system i mean. What's the approach that you take um, in the head office to, to, that, to that particular discussion?
1: You, you know, first of all, change is difficult. Any kind of change, right? We're all kind of set in our ways and, and, you know, any kind of change and certainly a change of this magnitude, you know, takes time to see the benefit of. I think the importance of, you know, what we try to do is create the vision that everybody can get behind and that everybody believes in and so once you set that vision and everybody can agree on a common goal then it's certainly easier to sort of get there you don't get there overnight right you don't get there alone so you know in in the, as it relates to the minor leagues you know the teams and the owners working hand in hand with us um you know to achieve that vision of you know a minor league system that the fans you know throughout the country you know connect with just every bit as passionately as they do with the major league club that they follow, you know, as long as you all agree on that goal, which we all do, then, you know, you start to put the plan plan in place and it it takes a number of years of working together and fine tuning, right. With with, with a lot of the stuff you expect when you first embark on a project, that's this um, that's this important, but of this magnitude is, you know, there's, you know, things pop up. And, but again, as long as you're working together for that common goal, you know, you figure out that solution together. And so, you know, that's really what the relationship has been like so far. And, uh, it's actually been amazingly encouraging. And, uh, so, you know, we're, we're headed in that direction and, um, you know, I'm pretty confident we're going to
0: achieve it. Um, I want to kind of carry that theme on of, of, um, where there's one approach for the, for the league and where there's, uh a single strategy that you can collaborate on and, and um, where you can unify the game, but where, you know, obviously you have to bring lots of different interests in together. Um, the broadcast strategy is interesting for MLB because again, it, it operates at a huge scale in terms of the volume of games that, are, that you guys have available. Um, you have national deals. You, you recently re-signed with, with ESPN, which I'm sure you can, uh, you can tell us a bit about. um but you also have the RSN market, the regional sports network market where teams can can agree deals to reach their local fans. That's in quite a complicated state because of um, the changing nature of cable bundling and, and all the rest of it. Let's Let's talk about the ESPN deal first of all. and, and where does that, what does that say about your, your national strategy uh, for media on, um, on on linear channels and also, you know, what, what you're looking to do uh, in the digital space?
1: Yeah, listen, we, we've been fortunate, right? If you look at our three national deals, which, you know, Fox, Turner, and uh, now ESPN, they've been partners with us for a long time. And, um, you know, we just, as, as you correctly point out, um, you know, finalized the last of those three, which was ESPN. So from, a, from our standpoint, one, the continuity of having these partners um, and working together with them is important as we embark on the future. The future is being disrupted, right? The present's being disrupted. It's being disrupted in the media space by, you know, more ways than ever for people to consume content on more devices than ever. And if you think about what we did at MLB.com starting in 2000, we made a decision that, you know, if it has a plug or a battery, we want to be on it. And so, you know, we've always, that's sort of been the the tentpole of, of how we approach these things. I think the good news is in all of our conversations with our traditional partners, the three aforementioned of uh, aforementioned partners, you know, they've all um, been very focused on the changing environment. You know, ESPN in particular, as you, as you mentioned, you know, have really successful launch of ESPN Plus, a big strategy overall with Disney and how they distribute content. And, you know, they're going to be an important part about, you know, to bringing our fans um, that have fallen outside the traditional linear cable bundle, um, our content. And so all these deals that we put together um, ESPN as well, you know, has a digital component to address that, right? We don't want to be in a situation where, you know, fans can't get our content. That's not, you know, that's not in the best interest of anybody who is trying to deliver content, whatever it is, sports or otherwise, to their to their fans. So um, the good news for us is partners like ESPN that have, you know, have gone, you Pretty far down the road and are you know have a tremendous amount of subscribers and are having a lot of success so you know even though that we're getting disrupted i think that that's having the right partners working with you that are helping you get through those those times is you know of of utmost importance i think that's one of the reasons why um you know we're in business with the folks that we have that we are
0: yeah yeah and when you look at baseball as a as a broadcast products as a media product over the next few years you know one of the reasons it's been a very successful local tv product is because there are loads of games i mean it's on a scale that very few other leagues operate on uh, every team thirty or teams playing 100 plus games a season and even more if they're playing into the autumn um, or into the fall excuse me um that also I suppose lends itself quite nicely potentially to an on-demand digital product but then you you still need to give teams their independence to operate in each of their local markets so what's the vision for the media product that, that Major League Baseball will become as we go deeper into this digital era you're not in the same space that the NFL is in let's say where you have kind of a weekend for yeah. less than four months of the year
1: yeah listen I, I think we're we're very fortunate I mean we're America's pastime and and there are you know just tens of millions of fans of baseball in general so if you look at our local clubs you know uh, from a media perspective when the games are on they're the number one in their market nine out of ten times right so they you know we have an extremely important and strong local market so the question starts to become you know how do you maintain reaching all your fans from a local perspective, and that's where you know you need to that's where you're seeing these deta- you know direct to consumer products emerge because you know there are people that have fallen outside the bundle right it's it's you know a couple of years ago it used to be. Hey, don't do anything on direct to consumer because if you do, the person on the linear side is going to leave the linear side of the business and go. I I think everybody understands that that's not the case now, right? There's an audience. There's always going to be an audience on TV. No media dies, just like radio never died. And so people are going to want that experience. They're going to want, you know, the experience to sit back on their couch and put on their TV and, and engage in the product. That said, there are people that are outside the bundle. They've made that decision, you know, not because of where they can see, you know, their their favorite sporting event, but they've made it just because that's what they've made. That that's, works best with their life. You have to still be able to reach those fans. And so you know, it's important for us to have a strategy moving forward that that achieves that, right? And so that's what we're working with all of our um, local clubs with right now and our local partners. The RSNs play um, a very important role for us. They've done a great job in producing our games in, you know, even more innovative ways than in the past. And they're in the best place to, you know, help us reach those fans in the local market. So,
0: our strategy is very
1: focused on that right now.
0: Hmm. And when you think about what baseball can be, what MLB can be in the future, something that I'm, I'm reminded of, and it's and he was actually over here promoting the international games, which we'll, we'll return to in, in just a sec. But um, Alex Rodriguez was here and he was saying that he could see for a young baseball fan there being huge value in, let's say you have every every batter's every at bat for a whole season. And that's, you know, there's a central app and you can call all of them up and you can see all of that action or you can see whatever game. Um, or, and, and that's that would be one approach to what a digital product could be. And that would be one that MLB would control. And and obviously the, the teams would, would get the, the benefit of that um, through whatever mechanism you agree. The other vision would be That the Yankees have their own product, or the Red Sox have their own product, or whichever team has their own product that's completely catered to that fan. Is there a way that those two can coexist? Is there a way that you can have a comprehensive centralized product and a comprehensive teams product? And that there's you know, or do you have to have carve outs in order to make each of those? attractive in different ways
1: no so in, in, in our minds they are complementary i mean they're you know we have fans that are you know displaced so those sort of outside the local area and you have local fans and so you know there's a way to reach both those products also those generally sometimes they want different types of products right if you look at what the rsm provides it's not only you know the live game broadcast there's a lot of shoulder programming i think ultimately It comes down to the fans. What we're both doing is just we're listening to what the fans want and what they expect, and we're trying to then deliver that to them, you know, not really focused on sort of. Uh, you know, what's local, what's national, it's really the conversation that we're having today is, you know, what's best for our fan, what should we deliver, where should we deliver it, how we should deliver it. And then, you know, once we've made that decision, you know, the behind the scenes, how, what financially, you know, that all works itself out, you know, as long as you figure out, you know, the most important thing really is reach, reaching the broadest base of fans you possibly can and um you know we've been it's been a very um collaborative experience but i mean collaborative experience locally and nationally um to achieve that so there
0: really hasn't really
1: been push and pull it's it's uh, they're not mutually exclusive in my mind
0: mm-hmm. um on the topic of reach and the international series that's that was suspended last season and obviously not been possible to do that this year what's the future of the international project both physically in terms of games and also the, the media side of things? We want to pick up where we left
1: off. So, um, you know, I hope to be back playing games internationally in 22. Um, you know, I, we're working on a pretty robust play plan um, for international that's, you know, more games than we've ever had in the past. And it remains um, important to keep us um, relevant globally. And so, you know, I, I can't sit here and tell you where we're going to play, but I, we're going to play in more places than we ever have. We're going to play more games than we ever have and we're going to bring more um variety of teams to each one of those locations so we're pretty uh i'm excited about it and hopefully the fans will be too if, if again if if these events are uh anywhere as as good as what we've seen or what we did in london i think that uh they're they're gonna be there's a lot of fun that's for sure
0: mm. Mm. okay um just a couple of things, because uh, I know we're, we're going to run out of time in, in just a couple of minutes. But you talked at the very top about the in-venue experience in uh, uh, in the US, and I suppose that will tie into what you do internationally in the next few years. How does the the, the project of shifting that many tickets change over the next few years? You know, how do you how do you um, work collectively, and how do you encourage your your teams to work in order to make sure that you know those stadiums stay as full as they can and uh, and perhaps you're creating products that that make sure that those stadiums uh, stay full. Listen, our
1: our clubs have done a, a great job. You know, they they have. If you look at stadiums today, there's a lot of I, I would call them collaboration spaces within those stadiums, right? As well as their seats. There is no better experience of watching a game than actually going to watch a game live. You can certainly watch it on TV; it's a great experience. But you got to get there live. I mean, it's just the excitement. Um, that you feel and you know, just it, it, you know it's second to none. And so our it's always our goal to get as many fans as possible to 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 achieve that. And so, you know, we continue to work together and share best practices across the league about different things and different ways of whether it's ways of selling tickets, there's subscription type products that are available now that you know you didn't see three to five years ago. There's different ways to bundle, um, experiences along with that for for families um, that are going to these games, and so it's just being innovative in our approach to you know to making that experience as seamless um, and as comfortable as possible for our fans. And so you'll continue to see us innovate in that space, but we do that very collaboratively with the clubs, and there's a lot of best practices shared.
0: How similarly do you look at those two challenges? The challenges of getting the most value out of this very extensive broadcast inventory you have and filling as much of each venue as you can when there are so many games over the course of a season and so much competition for people's time and attention.
1: Yeah, we view it complimentary. I've always felt, we've always felt as an industry that, you know, you get somebody to go to a game, they're a fan for life, right? They have an experience that, you know, whether they were... They were there with their parents or their friends or caught that foul ball or, you know, any of it or had that, you know, had that uh, cotton candy. There's always something. And once you have that connection to, um, you know, to the to the club and to that experience, you're more apt when you're not able to be there live to interact with the game and right so we view that very complimentary you know you, you listen we all have time constraints you can't go to every game you can't you know maybe you can only go one game a year five games a year six games a year but to your point we're on for six months right so you go you have that experience you, you 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 know you look forward to the next time you can go back to the stadium but in the meantime how do you stay connected well you stay connected through all the ways that we talked about you know a robust media strategy that you know allows any device that you're on whether you know, gets plugged in or takes a battery to be able to, you know, interact with our content. And so that's sort of the overall goal. Um, And we find them to be very complimentary. Again, first and foremost, we want to get you through that turnstile into that park once you're there and have that awesome experience. I mean, my first one was when I was probably seven years old and my my dad took me to, um, you know, took me to a Mets game and, you know, I'm a fan for life. And so once you, once you achieve that, then everything else falls into place.
0: Okay um finally what else is in mlb's future i've seen there's talk of nfts and, uh, and other new products on the horizon but but what are you um what would you flag up what are you most excited about in the next few years listen
1: we're, we're certainly you can't turn on tv and not hear about the blockchain these days and so what i tell everybody is uh, i'm not going to be here to tell you to buy ethereum or bitcoin but what i can tell you is how that technology can make the game better or you know connect to our fans differently and so you'll see um you, you'll see different products for us um you, you know that are more similar to what you would see in a trading card something that's very collectible um, that, you know, folks can invest in to get closer to the game and, you know, be be passionate about the teams or players that they follow. Um, I would also say that gambling is, you know, another emerging part of our business that, um, you know, is really new for us. And that's sort of a, you know, that's something where we've watched what's happened overseas for us um, and the proliferation of it and how it got rolled out. And, you know, we're looking at that to learn from that as we, you know, domestically here as more and more states um, legalize um, gambling and so how to do it in a thoughtful way not to over, you know, sort of overrun the family aspect of what we try to achieve on a day in and day out. But I would say those two areas are two of the new exciting technologies that are out there. But I think the beauty of technology is you just don't know what's right around the corner. And so you still have, you know, it's funny, I I still talk about VR and AR, and it's kind of like you've been hearing it and seeing it for a long time. But I don't even think we have really scratched the surface on that technology either. So, you know, I think that there's lots of exciting things coming down the pike. And, uh, you know, we've been very active in the technology space through um, our our MLB.com, our advanced media division. And so, you know, we try to, try to stay one step ahead so we have teams of people that are you know working day and night on all this new and emerging stuff so i I would say more to come but the nft stuff and the gambling stuff is probably the stuff you'll see pretty quickly here
0: okay a couple of big topics for next time but i'm gonna have to let you go now Noah. Uh, thanks very much for thanks very much for your time i enjoyed
1: it thanks anytime i'm always here
0: The podcast is published by Sports Pro Media. The producer is Ed Dixon.